SUS News Podcast Series. Uh, I'm your host, Patrick Egan. And as always, we introduce our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Gene. Hello, Patrick. Uh, didn't we just do this real real recently? We did. It was like yesterday. But, um, you know, there's so much stuff going on that um, I decided, or well, we decided, we talked about it, that doing a, a uh, drone current events show. So I, we, this is it. Drone current events, fourth quarter, 2017. There's been a deluge of stories and you know, things being announced and whatever else that I thought it was time to bring um, our experience to bear kind of on this. And we would talk about some of the items uh, and, you know, some of that's going to be, I want to discuss an article that you just wrote about public safety agencies. I want to talk about private rulemaking process, drone pilot program, um, pay to play. There's a leadership vacuum. And I also want to talk about the overall state of the drone business. But before we do that, you know, there's a lot of times on Twitter, I go out on Twitter and I'll like talk about a little bit of my experience. And this probably happens Mm -hmm. to you too. And uh, people are like, well, I I didn't know that you've been here this long or, Oh, I, I, I didn't know that, you know, you did X, Y, and Z. So, uh, you know, let's, let's reintroduce because, you know, since we've been here and I know we've both been here, you know, uh, 2003, four, two, whatever. Um, yeah. So that it's a long time. So maybe could you, could you just, you know, maybe give us like a Cliff's notes bio of what you've been doing over the last 13, 14 longer years in the drone sphere. Uh, yeah, okay. Mine starts really back in 2000 when I started designing the Spectre Flying Wing for a, a, a payload airframe. And uh, just kind of started development there and then did my first search and rescue in 2005. No, actually, I have to go back even further than that. I did my first aerial search and rescue in the Air Force back in 77, but we won't go back that far. But uh, did my uh, my first drone search and rescue in 2005 and uh, from there just uh, saw the had the vision that drones were going to be the way of, of producing really good results for public safety fire first responders and started pushing real hard and you know you and I both were involved in the uh, the RCAPA RCAPA or the remote control aerial photography association and uh, that was uh, took a lot of effort. We put a lot of emphasis on safety and best practices and all that good stuff. And let's see, then chronologically, 2006, things were going real good. Looked like the drone industry was going to be great. 2007, February 13, 2007, that was when the great clarification came out and the drone business came to a screeching halt. And uh, from there, we kind of fought our way through it, doing the whole COA thing. I wrote the first COA that was accepted by uh, the FAA for a civilian entity in 2008. Um, let's see, kept going, started you, finding people. Yeah, but, and didn't you help the uh, FAA with their web interface for the COA that, process? That's didn't right. I forgot all about that. Yeah, I, I, I had a, a, a pretty extensive 
experience in, in background and programming and system analyst, uh, analysis. So I was asked if I would spend a weekend to help uh, debug and, and find out all the different little ways to crash the current ecosystem, which now just recently went down, and we now are going to CAPS. But I did. I spent a weekend breaking that system, doing extensive notes, sending it to their people so that it would be up and running, and then that Monday it went online. So, yeah, Randy Willis, if I may mention his name, was the guy that requested me to help him out, and we did that. I remember doing that. So, yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, from there, we went right straight to the lawsuit where I sued the FAA. And uh, that that didn't work out so well, and I fell off many Christmas card lists with that one. But um, you know, it's one of those things that well, had to be done. Yeah, well, you know, it gives you a place to put all your bowling trophies. Is up there on the mantle. That's, that's you don't true. have to take yeah, them down every year. That. That's right. So anyway, it's just been you know a steady progression, finding people, you know, putting these best practices out. And you and I have spent many, many hours writing best practices that went from here to Europe, everywhere that, that uh, there was a possibility of drones to be used. We, you know, that I've seen, I have seen that document in so many pictures, in historical pictures. That you, you just, it's hard to miss that R Kappa little camera iris, you know, that, that is on the front of it. So it was right. very distinctive. And, uh, you know, just kind of kept pushing it. Got the, the 501c3, the nonprofit that I still have because the FAA said it couldn't be a commercial operation. So I said, okay, great. I'll do a, a, a not-for-profit by IRS definition non-commercial entity. And that worked for a little while. But, you know, you just uh, keep pecking away at it. So six countries later and 30 states later and 13 recoveries or rescues later, you know, everybody's got the idea that, you know, we, we might be able to do something with these drones. So, right. you know, that, that's been the way it is, and we just keep plugging away at them and spreading the good word, speaking everywhere, talking to people, you know. It's a good word. You know, it's funny, I mean, that's that's the uh, Cliff's notes, because there was also the, the NIST work in there and the NIMS protocol. Oh, yeah, you know, it's just, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's so many. Yeah, you just forget about things like you know, little things like forest fires and you know, million dollar airplanes. Just you know, it's old hat. Exactly. So you know, I mean, that's and and a lot of that stuff too. I mean, there's the the other thing is people are like, oh, you know, they're talking about you know the RTCA or ASTM or you know, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Me, remember, I mean, that, that was I think the first place we met in person was at the. Uh, Kickoff ASTM meeting 2005, May, Reno, Nevada. Lovely Reno, That's Nevada. Correct. And, um, you know, I do have a lot of that paperwork around. Someday I'm going to keep threatening to pull that out. But I remember the timeline was 2009. I was like, I remember in the back of the room going, 2009? Are you people crazy? <laughs> you know? So, uh, and then the RTCA thing and all the rest of that. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny. It's uh, one thing, you know, myself. I had uh, some of those uh, same experiences that you had. You guys started RCAP. I was, I think, member 11 or whatever. Uh, I saw this as a yep. viable business. We had to have safety, uh, you know, 
a professional guild to get the insurance. And I remember that too, you know, with working with ASTM and RTCA. Oh, you guys don't have insurance. You're just a bunch of clowns. Well, and I said, well, you know, um, I may have big shoes on, but we also have access to third party commercial liability insurance, which was doable because of the tests we wrote through our Kappa to yeah. two different testing levels, blah, blah, blah. I mean, all of this stuff is all, it was already been done. So a lot of people are like, drones are new. Oh my God. You know what you can do with a drone? No. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You could, you could take wedding photography. Oh my God. No, say it isn't so, you know, or, you know, oh, we're, we're going to have a contest and someone's going to fly across the ocean. And fly. Yeah, yeah, that's all been done. 1998, 2000, remember the farm drones? We were, that was another project you were working on was with uh, oh, yeah. some stuff yeah, with Implant. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it worked and all the rest of that. And now people are like, oh, this competition's killing us with all these people here. Yeah, that was 2004. Competition started kicking in. So anyway, a lot of this stuff has happened before. And the only other stuff that I had uh, with you, I was on the small UAS arc for our Kappa, which was, you know, yes, indeed, you wheel, of, wheel of suffering. Um, you know, I think some people that are on the DAC are having the same, you know, feelings that I had at the end of that. Like I got, uh, I felt sick, physically sick. But anyway, and then, uh, yeah, when it went illegal in 2007, I didn't, I wasn't doing it commercially um, and then in 2010, I went to work for the Navy and taught people to uh, teams to go to Afghanistan and collect ISR. It was lots of fun. Um, and after that, I worked for the Army Space and Missile Defense Command Battle Lab. I was a high altitude testbed flight director. Got to work out at White Sands, which remember, we even did a podcast when I was out at, uh, uh, at White Sands on a, on a pirated satellite. You know, so, you know, I mean, people are like, oh, well, we got a podcast here. We talk about drones. Yeah, okay, well, here's a live exercise going on, and I'm calling in from White Sands Missile Range, you know. You're not going to get that anywhere. Going to get that here. No. Nope. But, um, so, and then after that, you know, um, you know, helping Gary with the SUS News and teaching at the university and all the rest of the stuff that I've done. I, I, I have to remind people of this because they – they ask me about other people in the industry, and I say, well, you know, yeah, they're known or whatever. But uh, really, if you look at the stuff that I've done, I've, I've done just about all I could do. And I did it all on my own. I didn't have any buddies. Out of your own or, pocket. Out of my own pocket or any friends, bankroll it or anybody's VC fund. I didn't, uh, you know, BS my way into something. I had to produce and I did it in the mirror, and I did all of this stuff. So, you know, when, I, when, when we make commentary like we're going to do today, realize that it comes from an empirical experience. So I'm not pulling this out of my hat, or it's what I feel, or how Gene feels, you know, about something. We're talking from in-the-field experience, and, and I don't think there's any substitute for that. You know, what, what do you, no. uh, you know, I mean, am I wrong there? Yeah, no, no you're not, uh, because when you look at it, if if you want to go out and make your own mistakes, that's one thing. But we've been out there, and, and, you know, we've tripped, skinned our knees, knocked our noggins, and, you know, why should you have to go through all that pain and suffering again when we've already done it for you? And well, It just and, makes sense to me that you go to play the experience, right? 
Exactly. And it's the same deal though. You know, I, there's a whole, there's, there's different levels. I think but when you start talking about like people's lives, there's property and then there's lives. And it's funny as I talked to another person that we know this morning, because my phone's been ringing off the hook about this drone pilot program, which we'll get into later. Um, and we're talking about Cal OES. And I say, oh, you know, I talked to Cal OES. And a guy called me up high up the food chain over there. And he says, uh, people say you're a drone expert. And I said, uh, not when it comes to disaster relief and first, you know, or uh, search and rescue and the rest of that, I am not a drone expert. But I know a guy. I know this guy. And his name's Gene Robinson. And he's out there and he's been out in the field and doing this. And the guy said to me, you're the, I, I've talked to a lot of people. And he said, you are the first drone guy that I talked to who, who didn't say or claim to be an expert. And I said, well, you know, maybe in some fields, but, you know, life safety and all the rest of that, I'm just not. And the time to learn is not when lives are on the line. So call Gene Robinson. Talk to him. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure you run into this all the time. It makes you, you probably want to jump up and start screaming, you know, um, because is that, I mean, lives are on the line. You know, and, and I try to bring that up as, as many times as possible. And you know, I kind of laid it all out in the article. And, and I was getting, and the article came from some frustration. I will be upfront with you on that. I, I, I saw some things, and I, I think even you mentioned yesterday that uh, you've done your share of teaching and training in the, in the industry. And uh, you made mention yesterday that, you know, the way things are changing, it's going so fast. You have to change your curriculum like every week, right? Oh, and yeah. yeah. This narrative, this narrative that we're going through right now and how to incorporate these tools into the airspace is changing every week. And you've got to be able to adapt. You've got to be able to make those changes to incorporate the technology that works the best. And exactly. That, it, it, kills me that this this whole boy mentality that we get and I hear it all the time. You know, you go and you talk to somebody about doing proper aviation training using their unmanned aircraft and they go, oh, I, I just went down and bought this at Best Buy and you're trying to tell me I need, you know, forty, sixty, eighty, hundred hours of training, you gotta be out of your mind. This is a toy. Right, it's but it's not you know, a the- toy. No, the end use, okay, and and the article that Gene is referencing, if you want to go back uh, to the SUS news site and search this, so so you get some uh, reference for this, it's obstacles and solutions to implementing drones in your public safety agency's toolkit. Read it. I mean, if you're going to do it, I tell people, you know, you want to do this, you just, you talk to this guy or you read his stuff, um, and, and don't make any mistakes. And like you said, okay, the toy thing. Again, okay, so if the application is going to be search and rescue or fire or law enforcement, public safety, whatever, it's, you get rid. If you've got the toy mentality, just get out now because that's not what's happening. You're not going you're, you're to play games when you're saving people's lives. And, and I, I know we talked about it. You were just at one of the shows, and you told me, you called me from there, and you were a little – hot under the collar at some of the misinformation and without, you know, bringing any, calling anyone out in particular. I mean, you know, what were you hearing and you know, what was your reaction? Well, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd heard some comments about trying to keep your program secret 
<laughs> um, in public safety, that just doesn't work, um, especially when you when it comes to privacy and all the things that we've already been through, Patrick. You know, we've heard the the, the story from ACLU to everybody else, and we respect that. We get that, right? Right. And one of the worst things you could do is try to keep your program quiet and a secret and not let people know that you're using drone aircraft. This is just wrong, completely, totally wrong. And then uh, there was some other uh, mentions made about, you know, the, uh, you should always let the aircraft fly itself. You don't need to, to intervene in it because it'll fly better than you, you ever thought about. And And I asked the individual that, that made that statement, I said, so you're going to be the first one in line to fly on that 747 that doesn't have a pilot, right? Right. And he says, hey, well, no, I didn't say that. And I said, well, then what happens if something goes wrong with your drone while you're out flying it? And you've got a guy that all he knows how to do is push buttons. He's not an aviator. Oh, well, you know, it, it just doesn't happen that often. And I said, okay, I'll say, I'll say bon voyage when you get on that plane. <laughs> right. Well, it reminds me of the air part and airplane where, you know, are you a doctor? And he's wearing that stethoscope. Like, yes, I'm a doctor. Yeah. I mean, people, I think on one hand, I mean, I, it is aviation, but, you know, I think, well, I got my 107, you know, and blah, blah, blah. It's a piece of cake. But there's a responsibility. There is a responsibility yes. if the cell phone app doesn't work. And this is, that's another problem that we're going to get into later, but. <clears throat> You know, the public safety agency thing, you hit the nail on the head. If, if you want to, if you're a public safety agency and you want to uh, kill, stomp, throw a bucket of cold water in the face of a, any kind of drone program, do it in private. Do it in secret. Yep. Show that the people that you serve, you have contempt for them. And see, see where that gets you. See how well that worked out for L.A. or even Alameda County Sheriff's Department. They're, they try and sneak it in and you know, there was a lot of people. That's where I got that drone dealer handle for Twitter. I went, I did the Berkeley drone town hall meeting, you know. There he is, man. There's the drone dealer. You know, I'm like, drone dealer's here. Where is he? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> it was surreal. You know, the pot smoke wafting in the window and you had to talk to people down off the ledge. But after I explained it to them, they got it. It's not that hard. You can do it. You just have to be honest. You have to know what you're talking about. But even beyond that, when you get out there in the field, and, and we just did the podcast uh, with with uh, Greg, and we were talking about the fires in Sonoma or whatever else, and you brought yep. some you brought some uh, good, let's say, tools and, and skills you might need to be an effective in a situation or an event like that that I didn't even really think about. <clears throat> you know, I could understand that there's pressure to get the job done, get it done quick, get the information back. I felt that pressure. Uh, training people to do ISR. I mean, really, the, the commodity, the data, it does have a certain shelf life, um, and so you have to do that. But some of the other things that you talked about was was actually some of the, the let's say, I guess mental burden or, or whatever. I, I don't know, really even know what to call it when you're you're dealing with people who have lost loved ones and lost all their property, Correct. and you're you're in a disaster. You know, maybe you could talk a little bit more about that because I, I I thought you know that really I never even thought about that. It's stress. It's just, you know, when you get right down to it, it's stress because when you're exposed to that much pain and suffering by fellow human beings, if you have any empathy at all, it gets to you. 
I'm sorry, it gets to you. You know, and of course, you know, I'm a, a, a crusty old curmudgeon now, and, you know, there's not too much that gets to me these days except for a child lost in the woods. But, you know, when you're standing around and, and you're hearing grief, uh, it, it just, no matter how much you try to compartmentalize that, it plays on you. And it, it's a distraction. It's something that you have to deal with, sometimes more directly than others. And if you're trying to run and, uh, you know, keep a, a flight operation safe, you know, it's one of the things that you need to, to kind of get away from so you can be safe. It's like, you know, driving distracted. You know, they now say that texting is more dangerous than drinking while driving these days. Well, they figured it out that, you know, yeah, it is, and, and it's the same way with an aviation program. If you're distracted and you're trying to do something that's fairly complex, and you have stress on you from either the grief of other people or, you know, you maybe have to step over debris and you never know what you're going to step on, and that's a little, little shaky situation there, and, you know, what could reach out and grab you by the leg or, you know, it, it just it keeps com- compounding the issue to the point where, you know, it makes really, really good sense to have a VO, a visual observer, or two, or three mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm. situation. Well, and it goes right back to the crew resource management thing. You know, Bingo. Uh, you know, humans only have so much bandwidth, you know, whatever. Yeah. And all of that stuff that you're talking about is taking up sections of the bandwidth and taking away from the, the job that I'm doing. Um, so different situations. So I think that's really good to bring up. So uh, I would definitely say it's worth reading the articles Gene's written. That, you know, that's another thing you skipped right over during the bio didn't even talk about is the book. The guy wrote, you wrote the book. On oh yeah. 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 First to deploy. That's right. You know, and, and I got to tell you, I, I, I didn't really think this far ahead when I kind of named that book, but my view was, is that drones should be the first to deploy in just about every situation. And as we have developed sensors and we've developed processes it becomes even more evident because we have done this and we have proven it in the past how it works. For example, a crime scene, a homicide, uh, a disaster, whatever. If you get out there and you're the first to deploy and you take high-resolution digital still imagery or even video and you archive it, you have a baseline that has never, ever seen a boot on the ground. It is untainted, it is there, and every time you go back and take the same set of pictures, a good eye will detect the changes. And many times they will detect new things. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, a a trained eye. And many times they will detect nuances that wouldn't be found if they didn't have that still image to look at. Right. Yeah, so uh, I would suggest if you're thinking about it, your public safety, you should... Read that article, uh, do a search at SUS News for some of uh, Gene's stuff. Uh, I definitely get the book. I've talked to people, you know, that read the book and were like, wow, you know, there was a lot in there. And uh, so a lot of things to think about. And it's a lot different than, again, running down to Best Buy and buying a $1,000 drone. So, you know, things to think about. Um, I do want to, uh, you know, I, I know we'll go over half an hour, but that's okay. But I want to move on to some of the current event stuff, too. Um you know, 
I want to talk about, I know we talked about it a little bit, you know, offline and whatever else, but the, the, the private rulemaking process, you know, I've been, I've been banging that drum. Like I was part of, you know, a marching band in the parade, you know, boom, boom, boom. Yep. Hey, we need some transparency. Hey, we need the public on here. Hey, we need uh, the commercial end user, more end user experience, yada, yada, yada. Almost to the point that people, um, when I've talked to the people, they're like, you know, God, you got you get way out there on the limb. And maybe, you know, it's another thing. I'm going through some of the stories and the videos and, and things that we've written about and talked about, Gene. And people, you know, come out and go, oh, God, you know, here's, here's somebody that's using drones for business. And it's like, you know what, that, that guy was at the small UASB Expo in two and a half years ago talking about that or use. Three years. Yeah, that's right. Or three years. Right. Or here was a guy doing the uh, NIMS protocols for the wildland urban uh, fire interface, you know, what, six years ago, 70 years ago? And people are out yeah, using for fire. Back. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, this, it just blows me away how much has already been done. You know, same with the, the rulemaking thing and our capital proposed guidelines and all the rest of that stuff. And, you know, this isn't a lot of the things that are being tried aren't new. And, uh, you know, even with the private rulemaking part, uh, part of this deal here, you know, there was that article in, Wa- in the Washington Post. And I, I think you read that, right? Yep, yep. I talked I've, about the DAC. I've been in, been in both of them. So, yeah, you know, I read it occasionally. <laughs> okay. So, you know, he, uh, the guy basically, I mean, people from D.C. were asking me, did you write that article? And I said, no. You know, I shared some emails with the guy, you know, and I will say somebody probably reads my stuff, uh, yada, yada. But I've had other people call me up and go, man, you were right. How did you know this? And I said, well, because it's from experience, because I've already done this in both the RTCA, uh, the ASTM, the small UAS ARC, this crap where they tried to get people, you know, you have to be uh, quiet and there's confidentiality. And if you don't play by these rules that these arbitrary rules that were thrown down here, you're going to get kicked off. And uh, even on the small UAS ARC, Fred Marks from FMA Direct was, you know, his constituency was the American Farm Bureau, and they tried to boot him off of the small UAS arc for talking to his constituency, which, you know, I was like, don't tell me that AeroVironment's not talking to their, you know, board and their people and their stockholders because the stock's going up and down every week and all the rest of the stuff. I'm not buying that. Or, you know, um, you know, after the upper limit in the small UAS arc was 55 pounds, and not even, you know, a week later, Boeing, we're all in. We're buying in situ. So don't tell me we're not talking to our constituency. And um, yeah. I said, it's a bunch of crap. And then even in that thing, they were like, well, you, know, you weren't quiet. We're going to have to throw you off. And I, I was like, okay, well, you show me. And uh, the Title V of the United States Code where it says that you got to be quiet in here in this public rulemaking thing. You know? And he couldn't produce it, and he stayed on. But, the, you know, the, the point with that was is he wasn't going along with the program. He wasn't, you know, okay, we'll do that. And I think that people really uh, kind of don't understand this rulemaking thing. It's like, and I told somebody else, and I don't want to just single. I'll just say I'm working uh, for the uh, Windex Aircraft Company. Um, 
you know, if I'm if I'm going to be working on this rule making thing, and I know it's got a twenty year timeline or whatever else, and I'm going to be making my ten thousand dollars a month, you know, I'm going to be sitting back there, and I'm not gonna, my feathers aren't going to get ruffled, man. I'm going to be thinking about my next trip, my my new golf bag that I'm buying yep. or whatever else, yep. and I'm going to go with the flow because you know what? I'm 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 going to I'm looking at my Rolex, and I'm just going to ride this baby in to retirement, and I'm out. So if you're not doing that and you're a commercial land user and you uh, have to pay to be there and all the rest of that stuff, you're looking for action and not uh, BS. And so I don't think people understand that. I will say that, you know, from what I heard from the DAC meeting yesterday, they, they came out and they tried to reassure everyone that it's all above board and transparent and every all the protocols and all the rest of that are being watched. I don't buy any of that for two seconds. The FAA is using RTCA as a screen. Basically, what's in the pilot program um, is part of the program that these people are working on, that uh, there's, there's two different factions. One faction wants law enforcement to enforce the FARs for 200 feet AGL and below. And then there's the, the DJI thing where they want local law enforcement to enforce the FARs for 400 feet AGL and below. But I think what we're going to see, you know, we'll, we'll move into the next one. Uh, you know, basically, uh, I'm going to leave the, the, the DAC thing is, is uh, lipstick on the pig. And I will say it's bleeding over because I heard over at ASTM, ASTM, you know, they don't want any pictures. They don't want any Periscope, any video over there. But that's all public, too. More lipstick on the pig, but that's a story for a different time. Any comments? Yeah on the pu- the public uh, private rulemaking process before we move on to the drone pilot program boondoggle well uh, again it it relates very closely to introducing your own drone program in secret it never works right you know by the time somebody finds out by the time they get it into law and it, there's going to be such a hue and cry but you're right we'll have to wait and see just exactly how this rolls out and we'll have to see just exactly how the hue and cry, how loud it's going to be. Well, I mean, it's a, <clears throat> well, we don't want to mention it to the public or the people at the DAC meeting until we have consensus. Well, by the time you have consensus, they trot it out, everybody votes on it, FAA accepts it, throws it into the uh, Federal Register. This is another thing. So people think, oh, well, if I make comments in the Federal Register, oh, well, no. They're going to listen to Joe Bag of Donuts. There's no law. There's no, they don't even have to feign anything or change any part or any piece or any language or whatever in anything that's in the Federal Register. Nothing. You know, so that, by time that it reminds ends, me, that, well, that, that reminds me of, of another really juicy bill that was passed just a few years ago, and, and I, I think it was a leader of the House said, we need to pass this bill to see what's in it. Exactly. Now, you know, that thinking, what that thinking gets you, is it gets you uh, mistakes. And I tell people, you know, when you make mistakes in public and in, in rulemaking for, it literally is, could take an act of Congress to remedy the mistake. And it can yes. take yes. five, ten years and tens of millions of dollars. And most of the new heroes slough that off. I mean, even what you see going on now with the 250 grams in the registration deal, I keep bringing it up to DJI. That's in the past. 
you got to let that go. And I go, okay, we'll go, you know, talk to the Canadians about letting the 250 grams go. Talk to the Irish about letting it go. Talk to the Germans about letting it go. Talk to all these other countries about letting it go. Talk to the Americans about letting it go. If it wasn't for Taylor, who didn't get any support from any of the drone advocacy groups, who didn't get any support from DJI or any of the other manufacturers and went out on his own with some help from the community to strike this down through the courts, and the courts recognized that the Congress said, which was another one of these, remember the, the, the registration task force, Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Slam that through, threw it in the register. Boom, emergency. We got to get it done. Here we are. These are all crises that are um, orchestrated by the FAA. Everybody thinks, again, you got, you know, your selfie droners and all the drone news sites out there. That uh, That's another problem we have with the, the whole state of the industry is the poaching and parroting each other so bad over the last couple of years <laughs> that nobody even understands what's going on anymore. But if it wasn't for Taylor, it'd be 250 grams here. Now, Brandon Shulman, I'll name him because, you know, I warned the guy. Other people warned the guy. Lobbyists warned the guy. People in government warned him that the task force, the registration task force was a setup. And they were going to be set up and the FAA was going to try and slam this through. And uh, lo and behold, what happens? They set it up, set those guys up, and, and uh, they gave them consensus. And I told both them and... Uh, uh, I told uh, Brendan, and I also told Nancy Egan from 3D Robotics, you know, I, I, there's no way I would have signed off on that. I would have said this this report from MITRE with the explosion has nothing to do. We don't sell shrapnel. I can't in good yep. conscience sign off on this because this is not what my customers, my company does. Until you have data that, you know, talks about something that's even in the same neighborhood, I can't in good conscience sign off on this consensus thing. But I was told, well, you weren't there for the, the sidebar meetings and blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I've, I've seen it out of the sidebar meetings, and I know what the sidebar meeting means. So it's all that kiss and a promise, prom dress stuff. And, you know, as soon as the, we've moved on to the next meeting, that means nothing. And people even on that task group, were, oh, they, we were assured that 250 grams wouldn't be used for anything else. And I said, well, you're not qualified. And I know you're not qualified because you bought that. And so even in China, you know, DJI is a Chinese company. I'm reading Chinese articles. It's 250 grams in China. The regulation is so bad in China, DJI is like, oh, sales are down. We got to go around the rest of the world. I got forget that. Woof. It's too rough. So that was kind of the, the mistake or shot that was heard around the world. And, you know, they're going to pay for it. And I know they're paying for it. Some people say, well, the Chinese don't have any, they have no idea what's going on over here. I don't believe that because I know the sales are down. I think they know well. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I mean, the sales are down, right? The numbers, you're not going to lie. The other thing is all the forecasts and everybody talking about how many numbers of what's flying around here. You know, I know people that know the numbers, the real numbers. And it's all, everything that everybody's putting out is, is bull crap. And they're all inflated, made-up numbers to, again, come up with some sort of uh, crisis situation where we need emergency action. And that launches us right into the drone program, or the drone pilot program. And I'm going to let you start off on that, because I know we talked the other day, and you were like, oh, you know, uh, this drone pilot program, and you had a few misgivings. So why don't you, why don't you start with the misgivings? Well, I, I was a little less than ambivalent. 
because, you know, we knew what was going on when they, they came up with the six most excellent flight centers and, and said that they were going to put those out and that it was going to be a wonderful opportunity and uh, it was going to advance the, the unmanned aircraft industry, so on and so forth. And, and people spent a lot of time and a lot of money and built teams and they pushed forward and they put their applications in and lo and behold, they picked the six people and we, we kind of were suspicious of who they were going to be but from the begin with because we all kind of keep up with the, the politics of what's going on out there and there they were. And as we tried to move forward, and, and I was one, I, I moved forward and tried to go to that center of excellence and, and take my aircraft through there and hopefully, you know, gain some good out of going through the program. I was walking the line, went down there, talked with the people. They really didn't know what was going on in certain areas. And we said, well, we do. We'll help you. We'll, we'll do this. And we put together this great list of what you will do and what we will do. And they said, great, love it. This is a wonderful thing. And we said, okay, let's, uh, let's get this thing going. How much is it going to cost? And uh, when we opened the quote and sucked all of the air out of the room because the number was so high, we just couldn't believe it, that we, we were going to have to pay that much money to put a four-and-a-half-pound piece of foam through their program and get it blessed. Okay. So we, we backed off of that and, you know, went back back to our little holes and, and hid in them for a while and watched as, as this thing progressed. And people stayed away in droves except for the, the really large players, and we know who those are. And then as they perked along with that and begged for money and looked for relevance, out comes the 333 exemption. And so exactly. then people are asking, why do we need to go to the centers? Well, you and, know, I mean, come on. You got to remember that, you know, remember the Congress mandated that we'd have full integration. I think it was September 2015, right? That's, yeah, correct. <laughs> so the so, you know, have it, to have that all worked out. And, and, and if that wasn't enough, just, you know, very shortly after the expiration of the, you know, being able to apply for a 333, they rolled out. Part 107, which, as we all have admitted many times, was a gift to us because we expected something seriously, seriously onerous for a federal aviation regulation, and it was just the opposite. So not only did they run over the centers with 333, they put it in reverse and backed over them again a couple of times when they came out with Part 107, because suddenly there is no relevance to these people other than the collaboration of some very expensive players to get into their science circle. Right, right. Well, and and you would think that even the stuff that they're talking about on the drone pilot program, how come they haven't been doing the, the drone delivery at one of the test sites? How Bingo. come Facebook went to YP? Pardon me, YPG. You know, is it because they wanted to keep things secret and they didn't? I, there's so many different facets to the test center thing. Like, so the test center thing really came out of the small UAS arc and the top bin or category for the larger systems. They had this uh, category four, and it was going to be a test center. You'd be able to have your own private test center, basically, is what it was. 
And the idea with that right. is you'd have a private test center so you wouldn't have to share any of your proprietary data. You could test your systems, uh, yada, 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 before you sold them to the military, um, blah, blah, blah. And so that was the idea. So, but when the test site thing opened up to everybody and everybody was like, oh, God, this is going to be this a gold rush. People are going to be flocking here. There's going to be tons of money. We're going to be swimming in cash. And so I was in on, at the time I was working in uh, Arizona, so I was in on the Arizona one, uh, New Mexico, Texas, and California. And the Texas one was the craziest because they were they wanted to fly at an old uh, naval air station that was in class. I, I think it was like right outside of DFW, Class Bravo airspace. And they wanted to fly everything in there, the big iron and everything else. And I'm like, you guys are dreaming. And they're like, hey, look, who are you? Who are you? To- you can't even. So the, the upshot on the deal is if you didn't pay $10,000 to be in the club, you couldn't even speak. You were on mute on the yep. phone. And I'm like, you people are cracked. You're crazy. Same deal in the Arizona one. I'm like, we got YPG down here. We got, you know, stuff outside of Phoenix. There's air, military airspace. We got, there's tons of, of uh, you know, military warning airspace out here. Why would you want to have something here? Oh, well, because people can come right here. And, you know, and again, you know, working in Arizona. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I know the state doesn't have a lot of money. What do you guys want to fly here? Everything. <laughs> and I think the guy worked for Raytheon. And I go, well, maybe Raytheon's going to give us some free radar. And a guy to run it, and a guy to maintain it, and a guy to run the the power wires out there, and pay for all the power and all the rest of that stuff. I don't know. Talk to him about it. You know people over there. It's like that sounds pretty expensive to me. Anyway, the whole deal <laughs> yeah. totally cracked. And then out here in California, we had the two, you know, blessed efforts, and it was like you know, Air Environment and some of the other uh, vendors General on General one General. side of like. Uh, I think it's the airspace that Camp Roberts has or whatever. And then you had the, yeah. the commercial people on the other side, and they're duking it out. And who's going to get it? What is this going to mean, jobs and all? And I'm like, you guys are, I don't know what you're smoking, but it ain't happening. But anyway, so that's the kind of thing that was going on. And so, you know, we're having a flashback because, you know, my phone is ringing off the hook. I don't know about you. Oh, I need some advice. Yeah, my city wants to get involved in this drone pilot program. And I'm like, yeah. you know, well, I, I got to tell you, so this is like the test center deal, you know, the fix is in. Those people, I knew about this a week to 10 days before, and I'm just some schlub out here that nobody talks to, right? So are you see, did you see the slide? Somebody tweeted it out yesterday, and it's got all the people who replied for the drone pilot program, and they've got all their information yep. in. Does, have you ever heard of anybody moving that quick, government? No, and uh, I tell you, you, you want to really go out on a limb? You want to make <laughs> I predictions love of who the first five are going to be? Yes, go ahead. Karnak me. Oh, come on. You want me to go first? Well, okay. okay. Well, you know. I'm just going to – I'm going to – I will I will state the obvious because I happened to watch the webinar when uh, okay. Honorable okay. Chow, you know, gave – you know, presented the uh, the pilot program. And uh, one of the first presenters there happened to be the governor of New Mexico. Yes, I noticed that. And and that was the original. I don't know if you know the history. 
Yeah, exactly. Bingo. There, I was just about to get into the history of the New Mexico Unmanned Aircraft System Drone Testing Facility that uh, is out there in the middle of nowhere, been there, been past there a couple of times. And also, they had been working with the FAA for years on the weather. They, they handled most of the weather forecast and broadcast that the FAA utilized. And uh, somebody mentioned something about even a backhaul or a backup on radar as well out of the Fort Worth Flight Center. But I, I digress. So anyway, well, there's one, I think, that's probably going to be there. And then secondarily, you had the senator from North Dakota. Yes, North Dakota. And I noticed that. So... You know, I, there's my two guesses. Uh, I mean, these are just guesses, right? So, Patrick, you go ahead and throw out your two guesses. Well, I think those are those are astute guesses. Um, I did want to add to. Now, I've been to the New Mexico facility. I knew the gentleman that was running it. Again, when I was working it at White Sands, I think I even did a story for it for SUAS News. So, if uh, you were to uh, search for it, you'd find it. I went and saw the facility. They have hangars. They have a runway. They had aircraft. They got chase aircraft. They got everything. They are right behind the Oregon Mountains from White Sands Missile Range. They have their own airspace. Um, if they need it and nothing is going on at White Sands, they have all of that. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking about some serious stuff. NASA has a facility there. I think it's part of the Lyndon Baines Johnson uh, it's like a satellite from the Lyndon's Baines Johnson NASA hub. Uh, there's a lot going on out there. So I think, and, he, and like you said, this is a first test site. Um, they've never really been able to get the business model to work, but they got everything there, everything you could want. And when I worked for the, uh, the Space and Missile Defense Command Battle Lab, we had talked about setting up a, a battle lab, um, like a station there, because we always worked out of White Sands. And the city was very, very accommodating. The uh, economic development people were open to, or welcomed us with open arms. What can we do? Yada, yada. The only other people I'm going to say are going to probably get one for sure. I think that there's, there's some Indians because uh, we did notice, I mean, that they, who, you know, who was, this was available to. Um, so there's going to be some tribal land somewhere that's going to get one of these. And I don't know if it's the Cheyenne, um, there's a couple of different people that have, that have hired consultants that have been working this for years. They've been paying into this, paying into this. It's kind of been like, a, um, let's say, the Black Hill of Calcutta. So they'll probably come through. Then the other one, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, Jim, or Gene, going out on a limb. And I'm going to say that somebody over there in that corridor, that new air corridor, might have an inside shot at getting one of these these pilot drone pilot programs, you know. But that's just a hunch, you know. I could be totally off base. What do you think? You know, I, I'm I'm really having to put my Karnak hat on here and see who you're talking about there. But you know, I, I, it was a new announcement. Yeah, I got it. I think I got it now. And yes, I have to agree with you. There, there's a new CEO there. I think that uh, exactly might be able to help them. Exactly. And, you know, the guy kind of knows the ropes and, you know, he might be able to, you know, make a phone call or two, you know, help yeah. sway things his way. You know, um, they got a little bit of cash over there, yada, yada. That, that, you know, maybe. And then that, that kind of rolls into the next one, you know, with, with uh, some of the problems 
with the with the industry, and I'm going to call it kind of a, a pay-to-play thing. You know, some people say, oh, well, you know, what do you mean by that? Well, I noticed that if you have money, if you pay lobbyists or you have consultants, things kind of get done. You know, and, and let's not be naive. That's kind of how things work, right, in, in the yeah. world. But I think that it's really starting to bubble to the surface. And, and one other thing I did want to say with uh, the drone pilot program, and you can forget about any Christmas cards. We've just alienated about half of the drone community. <laughs> you think so? And the other, yeah, the other half is coming. We still have a few topics. But um, the main problem I have with the drone pilot program is just like the test sites, I think that this is really only going to allow the FAA to kick the can down the road three to five years. What do you think? You know, and, and there's a lot of the industry that will say that. I think they'll they'll uh, they'll sit back and say we're going to wait and see what comes out of the the pilot program, and really that does nothing but freeze technology and freeze the uh, development that we've needed so badly in the in the industry. And you know, you and I both know that there are a lot of folks out there that you know just said damn the torpedoes and kept going. And you know, after 107 and things started lightening up considerably, we figured that. These are the guys that got it right. You know, they kept on going. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, it's how many people are going to keep on going now that, uh, you know, we're going to try to slow it down a little bit more? Well, I mean, it's a, you know, they're, they keep talking about, and I noticed you tweeted out about this too, talking about how to build a, you know, um, let's say of, you know, compliance. This is not going to build compliance. You have 350 million people in the country, I don't know, tens of thousands of cities, depending upon how you want to classify them. And you're talking about four cities and, a, and a tribe, some tribal land? And you think, I mean, I know what's going to happen. And this is, goes back to the whole pay-to-play thing. What's going to happen after three to five years is they're going to be like, golly, the airspace plan that Amazon trotted out at the NASA UTM thing, guess what? It works. And so, you know, you commercial guys, you'll be under 200 feet AGL. If you want to get into the high-speed transfer airspace from 200 feet to 400 feet AGL, you're going to have to pay AirMap a fee to get into that airspace. And you're going to, we're going to be skimming off of it because that's what we do. This whole deal is such a scam. I, I, I figured the scam out. The scam was, and even with the, the uh, registration of the, uh, of the hobbyist, the idea was it says you could have inflated numbers and you could say, Oh my God, the sky is going to be dark with drones. And you remember last year, Oh, we got 800,000 drones registered plus minus whatever. Uh, we got to do something. We need this unmanned traffic management system. We got to, we got to do something. And I think it was all a play for Amazon and Google and Walmart and the rest of the big players to get the taxpayer to pony up for the infrastructure for the UTM because um, that's the only way it's going to work for dollar last mile delivery. What do you think, Gene? You think I'm 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 a yeah. psycho or psychic? No, 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 no. I, I think you're more psychic because let's face it, it's an unfunded mandate. Nobody is going to go into this unless there is something for them at the end of the tunnel, right? <laughs> They're going to they'll work with it. This is a long term plan for somebody like an Amazon or a Google or. Uh, something like that, three to five years, piece of cake, because they have a gozillion dollars. They don't really care because at the end, they're going to control the airspace that's going to have that last mile delivery in it, 
and everybody's going to get their their CD delivered on their front porch by a drone. But they're going to pay for it because there's going to be millions of flights, and they're going to charge you X dollars a flight just to drop it off at your porch, and they are going to benefit greatly from it. Well, exactly. But the thing is, is see, you know, my thing is, is I don't believe that. Um, let's say that the the estimate of the one dollar for the last mile delivery. I don't believe that that takes into consideration, let's say, the overhead of running an aviation business. I, I just don't see that. So, you know, you're talking about something. So now I even talked, I've talked to other people, the UTM stuff, and I this global UTM. They, I, these guys are throwing marbles at themselves. Their fast-tracking systems are already in place. I don't even know. There's some guy, Jay Merkel or something over at the FAA. He, he's, he's the guy ramrodding this. People are like, you really need to investigate what's going on over there and how the, how the land system people got anointed or whatever. You can go over to 1-800-WeatherBrief.com today and file a flight plan, and it'll put your flight plan on SkyVector. Not only that, there are other programs in place where their, their UTM already exists. There's a UTM system that's already exists, put together by big contractors, Yada yada yada. I don't even know what's going on with this Lance deal. This is this is part of the the pay to play or the leadership vacuum or both subjects here, where it already exists but nobody's talking about it because it's not flashy enough or we're trying to get something for our VC investors or whatever else. But I'm going to tell you right now, as it is now, there was last check eighty thousand whatever uh, certificated pilots, whatever plus minus. And I'm going to ask you a question. So how many of those drone pilots do you think are flying or in the NASA at any one time, Gene, out of the 80,000? Uh, 79,452. <laughs> you think that many? I, I'm no, gonna say, I, actually, I don't. No, it's, it's going to be pretty low. I'd, I'd say you're looking at 20%. Okay, I think that's that's generous. But let's even say 20%. So you have 16,000 people flying around in the, in the 50 United States. Alaska, Hawaii, the whole enchilada. Can, you, can we really, are they all wanting to fly in Class Bravo airspace? I doubt it. Is it all controlled airspace? Yes, that would be nice. But all of those, all of those people, the 16,000 of them, it, is it going to, is it, Worth spending hundreds of millions of dollars to build a system and then certify it to put this in place for those low numbers? No, doesn't make any sense. And the user fees are going to be really high. So the other thing with that too is, is you know, people talk about mitigating risk to people flying over people and all the rest of this stuff. And we all know that the mean time between failure numbers on these systems are lower than a snake's belly. And we talked about this during the last podcast. You used to hear safety numbers of 10 to the minus six. 10 to the minus 7, yep. 10 to the yep. minus 9. You don't even hear that anymore. And in the, in the leadership vacuum, okay, you have people pushing, on, um, pushing back and saying to the people that are going to try and mitigate things like the parachute people, your solution has to work 100% of the time. So my thing was is that's totally unfair. Because you have a system that has a mean time between failure rate of about one in, one in 25 hours. And you want me to come up with a 100% solution for your piss poor mean time between failure numbers. 
It should be the other way around. So the, the, the leadership vacuum and the pay-to-play thing kind of go hand-in-hand because hand the people at the FAA should know better. They should know better. They should know that cell phone apps are, are vulnerable. They should know that people that make toys don't have secure C2 or secure software. I don't think, I also don't believe that, um, I don't know if these people are mesmerized or what the deal is or if the lobbyists are that good, but I've been talking to some of the other people that have stuff like the people that got blessed for the Lance system, and they're wondering how come they didn't, they didn't get anointed or offered into play. And I said, you know, are, did you join the club? Are you in the group? Did you, are you paying the monthly five to 10 K? No, we're not. Cause it's too expensive. And I said, well, then why are you even asking these questions? You, you, you're not feeding the kitty. So you're not getting the access, you know, um, you know, it, it, I would think that, you know, some of the people that are safeguarding the public here would be, you know, guarding the hen house. And instead of having the weasel guarding the hen house, you got the weasels in there having cocktails, yucking it up and having a good time. While uh, the rest of us are out here scratching our head trying to figure out what's going on. So at the end of the thing, I think what you're going to have, uh, you are going to have, you know, that airspace, the Amazon airspace thing. That's what the pay to play is going to get you. And all of these people are acting like you're your buddy and we're all in this together and we're rowing the walk of excellence and all the rest of that. And it's just really not true. So I don't think anybody should be surprised. I also believe that uh, anybody who's naive enough to think that you're going to still be able to do this with a couple of tweets, maybe a blog post, um, and you're going to get in and play with the big boys, you're, you, you are sadly mistaken. And I know you have a lot of experience with this. What do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, you know the co-op process and, and everything else that, that goes with it has been has become more protracted. And we've heard all of the stories about how they're underpaid and undermanned and understaffed and need more money and this, that, and the other thing. So yeah, we, we we've heard it. And you know, I, I got to tell you, I think it's kind of fun for us to sit here and pontificate, if you will, and, and predict, prognosticate, and throw these things out here. But I really think, I really think, Patrick, we need to mark this one down, tuck it back in the archive, and we'll need to dust it off. And I'm going to say, I'm going to make another prediction, in two years. <laughs> yes. And then we'll see just exactly how crazy or how right we were. Well, I think so. I, I think the pendulum, I personally believe that the pendulum is going to swing back hard. That's my personal. I think there are people at the FAA that are that are upper management who have got to be going, what the, who in the, what is going on here? That's what I think. And it has to be. Because if not, I, I think the whole, remember, you know, I mean, this is aviation. That's what the, the Congress said. These are aircraft, right? And like I alluded what I'm to, worried about now. What? I, I'm worried now that I, you know, if, if when this podcast gets out, that I'm going to lose my TSA pre-board pass privileges. Well, you may, but you know, I always say with TSA, it's like starting any trip off with a little excitement. You know, you get the you get right. felt up, 
you get to go to your destination and you get felt up on the way home. You know, you got a story to tell folks. I'm <laughs> going and coming, coming and going. But, uh, well, you know, yeah. maybe, uh, I mean, I'm sure some people are going to be upset, but I do know that there are people at the FAA that are like, hey, wait a minute, you know, what's going on here? You're, you're making a mockery out of this culture of safety. You're making a, a mockery out of aviation. And uh, that goes to the next subject, which is the leadership vacuum I want to talk about. Now, I did read a report, and I don't know if you saw this, the, the unmanned aircraft systems, uh, benefits and consequences, the, the roundtable. I did. I did read it, yes. So you read that over. Okay. I have my own thoughts on that. Please, would you please give me your thoughts on that document? Well, I mean, it was it was still, it was a part of the, the whole group think sort of situation, and there are still a lot of misconceptions that are being bandied about. Bingo. Uh, and, and I think it was, I think it was, uh, you know, it was a demonstration of how the misconceptions have become ingrained in the process. And it, it's a little disconcerting. And it, it was just really more proof of, of how that, that came to be and, and where we're headed. And we gotta, we gotta crack that nut. We gotta get those misconceptions out of the, out of the, the, the mainstream of thought because it's just, it's going to slow us down. <laughs> Those are yeah, it's funny, and and we didn't talk about that document, but that's everything I saw. I was like, at this stage of the game, and in 2017, and almost the close of 2017, you've got the, the the leaders from the drone industry. I mean, you know, they don't know what's, they don't even know what they got going on over there. They don't even know what they're talking about, and they're representing us to law enforcement to people that have concerns about homeland security and the rest of that stuff. I was, uh, I was gobsmacked. I'm like, you know, what, what, who are these and who are letting these people talk to anybody that's in any position of authority or whatever. Um, I definitely believe that huge mistakes have been made. Companies have been able to pay for lobbying, you know, and get to talk to senators and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I know, and I don't know if you know, but a lot of these three-letter, um, let's say, agencies here in the United States that are interested in security or whatever are not buying any of this BS. They're not buying into any of what these people are saying. And uh, I think that's going to come back and cost us, like you said. Uh, it, it's, it's not encouraging. And uh, I would say for people, if you want, you can Google it. It's, uh, it's Actually, it's at a uh, domesticpreparedness.com. And it's unmanned aircraft systems, benefits and consequences, part one, proceedings of a roundtable. And you're going to see some stuff in there. It kind of plays back into the DAC and the task group one and what was going on in secret about your future. And if you don't see anything wrong with it, then, you know, you don't have to listen to the warnings. You can just go along with the program, fat, dumb, and happy, and it's all good. That's fine. What I am seeing, and this is going to be the last topic, um, is okay. No, so well, I was talking to uh, well, yeah, for this podcast. But I was talking to um, another guy that I, I really respect in this industry, who's telling me, you know what, what what's happened the last couple of days? I, I, I just I think I'm I just can't take it anymore. I, I'm out. I, I'm out. And I'm like, well, why are you out? And he's like, because it, what what was basically happening, what we 
talked about and boiled down and distilled down is that this current drone industry is like trying to do business in a third world country or a developing world country. You have government gatekeepers who who really don't understand what's going on, but they see some opportunity to off-ramp or whatever else, or that there's opportunities and there's lots of money here, and we got to let this stuff go. Safety's out the window. You basically have to have lobbyists to pay to get any access to talk to anyone. doesn't even matter if your stuff works or not. You just keep pushing and pushing until somebody recognizes you as an authority somewhere. You get on one of these committees, you tell the stockholder or the uh, VC people, you get the money, you go back and forth. And, and as the leadership changes, then you got to re-up all the money and start over. And so there's really no clear path to, let's say, legitimate business. What, what do you say? Well, that has been demonstrated for the past 10 years. Uh, if you really want to look at the history, there have been – how many drone companies do you know that have started, got money, built their press release, started the marketing, and then you, they just slowly died out? I mean, history is replete with bodies of drone companies, if you will, that mm-hmm. jumped in with a good idea and, and just – actually couldn't make it. So, yeah, they're out there, and, and there's plenty of them, and uh, it, it's uh, unfortunately, I'm afraid, just going to continue. Well, you know, I mean, when, you know, you talked about this earlier in the podcast today, is, is that, you know, okay, when 107 came out, we had this gift, and you could start going. You know, I'm like, wow, there's actually something here that you can work with. You know, there's actually something we could start. And uh, now again, with the drone pilot program and everybody calling it Trump program or whatever, but that's not really the case because we saw at the Politico ad, our Politico article that Brian went over there to give you a size, but pushing for this pilot thing for many months, even though he doesn't think it's going to work and all the rest of that, there's all these problems and experts that I talk to are saying it's illegal and all the rest of it. So there's, it's going to be a can of worms or whatever. And, and some of those we talked about where there's going to be a kind of a break on the wheel. So every time it kind of seems like we're getting a little bit of forward motion, someone's throwing a monkey wrench right in the pro- program. Okay. Door seems now, like it. Yeah, whenever you think you, I, this drone pilot program. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm opposed to drone pilot program, okay? But I, you know, again, you go back to the 350 million people or however many there are right now, and all the states and counties and tribal lands and whatever else. Hey, you know, I, I talked about it on the last podcast. Why don't you know? Aren't we doing a, a pilot program in you know? sparsely play, uh, populated areas in agriculture where it's extended visual line of sight or whatever, or maybe different endorsements, uh, more training, a- avban radio, blah, blah, blah. Um, and try a, po- a pilot program that is going to work for the masses, not just for, you know, the people that have millions of dollars in um, BC funding. And I know you didn't right. totally agree with me, but, you know, what, what do you think? I mean, do you think we should have done something nationwide? I, or? I, I don't mind the nationwide part of it, but I, I'm just I, – I guess I'm cynical. I'm cynical that they are again putting out another unfunded mandate, and they expect industry to pick it up, and industry has is, is kind of gotten very cliquish, 
and you have to have a lot of money to play in, which closes it down to everybody else. Uh, and right. I just feel like at the end of the day, it's, there's going to be very few players that are going to be able to participate in this this five or six or ten defined areas that are going to be asked to look at everything from sense and avoid to beyond visual line of sight to everything else in between when the the centers, the six centers, were supposed to do each one of those things individually. Right. Well, and you're hitting a, you are hitting a, a high note there in the sense that, you know, if people talk about, again, let's go back to the expert deal. I, you know, there's maybe a handful of people that understand everything you just talked about, understand what's important about that, what needs to be collected, what needs to be done. Yada, yada. That's not some guy on the city council somewhere. You know, not that I'm deriding yeah. city councils, right. but, uh, you know, I live in California and we get, you know, I mean, I didn't want to get into that. So, you know, now now we're moving into aviation, which is a, a field with engineering and all the rest of that. So I just don't I just don't see that working. And again, like you said, you know, people are talking and I think that the industry's changed overnight. And, and this goes back to the pay to play thing. So the person that called me and said, you know, my city's interested. I said, did they put up any money? Well, they want to, you know, they want us to make contact, see if we get anything back, get a little try. I'm like, did they put up any money? Well, no, not yet. Forget about it. If, if you're not going to get in here with some serious money, just forget about the pilot program. Forget about any, you know, fantasies you may have. And I'm going to say that really, I think with what has transpired, if you think you're going to get in this drone business and you're just going to be the real estate photography guy, um, they may allow bottom feeders like that, but I think certification's coming. And if you want to fly beyond visual line of sight, you're going to have to have a certified system. And the only one that I know that's coming soon is the AeroVironment Puma. And that's kind of been the end game with those guys. I think you're going to have the DOD Avengers. It'll be like the Empire Strikes Back. They've been saying for years this Chinese stuff isn't going to fly. But I think you have people in the government are really realizing that the Chinese have developed a monopoly with the DJI, and they're really realizing that America it now does not have a capability at uh, these lower price points. And I think that they're starting to figure out that that's going to be a problem. Not that I'm a protectionist. You know, people, oh, why do you hate DJI and why do you hate the Chinese? I don't hate DJI and the Chinese. I think DJI makes a great product at the price point. Would you, would you concur with that? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. It is the $1,000 Chinese UAV that I talked about so many years ago, and it's really good. Years and, ago, the Chinese, yeah. and the Chinese are – I like the Chinese. I mean, they're, they're very um, industrious people. You know, they think long-term. We're always thinking the next quarter or two. They're thinking 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, you know. And, uh, they, they've, you know, there's, I just don't think there's anyone that can compete here with a $1,000 UAV. Or even the government's like, okay, well, we want a $2,000 UAV. I, I just – it's just not happening. It's not possible. And you've been in the manufacturing. What do you think, Gene? What do you think about the $2,000? You know, well – even DJI has proven that the five or six thousand dollar aircraft is is something that will move. I mean, we got public safety agencies that are looking at the M210s, and those are we know all how much those cost. What really pisses me off about this whole thing is that yeah, I, I tried to make a drone, I tried to make a fixed wing drone, worked you know ten years at it, and 
everybody over here wants to be paid for, you know, what they're worth, and I understand that. That's a lot of smarts that go into these things, and we should be able to get together with enough people and get smart enough to produce an aircraft that we can sell, even in the $5,000 range, that will beat the Chinese version of whatever they've come up with, because, you know, Bang the Patriot drum, we're the USA. We should be able to do this. It should be a no-brainer. I mean, what's going on? Well, the DAC, I think the DAC and Pony Show has is kind of shows what's going wrong here. You have a guy, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not beating up on DJI again or, or no, you know, no, their no, public no, policy a- team. But there, you, know, you got these guys driving the bus. You got a guy from a Chinese company who represents a, he's a registered lobbyist for a Chinese company is driving the bus on US regulations. He's in every he's got his hand registration task force, uh the DAC, ID hacking art. You know, I, even that who even thought you get oh, okay, hey, I got an idea. Let's have a Chinese company develop a system that, you know, controls the airspace, United States airspace, interacts with the United States uh, air traffic control system. Oh, and we're going to take it on face value that it works, and we're going to take it on face value that it's secure, and we're going to take it that the software is totally secure and there's no uh, back doors that anyone over there in China could access. I mean, you know, I, I are they on the recreational weed or what, man? Or, you know, I don't even know. I mean, who's even, what, again, where's the leadership from the FAA? I mean, you know, nobody's saying, hey, you know what, this is never going to work because for some of the reasons that I just, you know, I mean, it's self-evident to me. And then people, oh, that Egan guy, he's such a crank and he's so negative. Well, is you that, know, you, you got to admire him. You, you, you have oh, to I admire do. him. We made, we made the rules. They're playing the game, and they're beating us at it. And, and, you know, if you were looking at it from an adversarial standpoint, you would have to look at them and say, you know what, you're better than us at a lot of things because you're kicking our butt at our own game. And right. I just there is something fundamentally wrong with that to me. Well, you know, that's another thing is I don't think that they're really playing a square game because the other thing is I tried to tell somebody else, they're like, oh, where's a $2,000 American drone? I go, you should see all of the patents that DJI has filed. There's a slew of them. I don't even think you could build, uh, you know, a multi-rotor in the United States and not be, uh, have repeated lawsuits from DJI. Because that's just where they're at now. So you have a situation where you're going to be, you're going to be in a, in a tough spot to try and play ball with these guys. And, uh, you know, again, they are beating us at our own game. The other thing, though, is I know, this is another thing, is I do have, people are asking me, what are these different feuds that I have going on? You know, even <laughs> Gary, my partner, you know, at the, at the SUS News thing, you know, he's talking about other people. I go, I, look, I can't fight with everybody. I can only fight with so many people at one time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I can't come out and tell everybody everything I know. But I will say that, uh, you know, there are certain companies from offshore that have serious problems. Um, You know, going back to the other, the poach and parrot and people poaching and parroting their own stories and not even understanding anymore. Let me just, you know, 
put it to people because I think they're like, oh, he's hung up on this ChaiComs deal. Well, yeah, but it's bigger than ChaiComs. Everybody agrees that data is a product with drones, right? Yep. You would agree with that, right? Yes or no? Okay. To have, to have people say that it's bizarre that people are talking about security of data or it's nonsensical or it doesn't make sense tells me that that person does not understand the drone ecosystem. Because if you're going to say to me that the commodity, security of the commodity doesn't matter and why anyone is even talking about it is silly, doesn't, that, that, does, that just tells me you, know, you just don't even understand what we're doing here, right or wrong on that. That is a reasonable deduction. I think that's a very reasonable deduction to make because these, a drone is just a truck to go out and collect something. And bring it back. That's it. Right. Well, and I mean, you know, if you're in real estate photography or wedding photography and it's not Kim and Kanye, you know, who cares? If you're doing oil and gas exploration, if you're doing mining, if you're doing, um, you know, something where there's a lot of money at stake or whatever else, uh, people don't want to give away their secret sauce. So I've talked to, you know, people all around the world on this. Why would I want to buy anything? a thousand dollar drone okay well let me just you know so you go to telecom company here you know cell phone company eh, okay um your company's not concerned about giving away the secrets of how they do business oh well i didn't say that well then that answers your own question why you would buy a thousand dollar drone you know so and and the other thing is too is i think people have lost sight of the value of the what this is and it's again it's that regulatory grade data You'll notice that the European companies, the, the people of the European companies are getting certified to do tank inspections, flare stack inspections. They're getting all of these certifications. So they know what they're doing when they go out there to collect the data. Somebody cares about that. And, it, you know, and I may have touched on this on the wildfire thing, but fingers are starting to point at, at PG&E out here in California. And even if no. they followed all, oh yeah, all, even if they followed all the regulations and all the rules and all the laws, and it's found that you know there was some fault and some of it might have been sparked off, but even if it was destruction, blah blah blah, they could be liable. So when I tell people regulatory grade data, so of course you know PG&E is now going to take it lying down. They're going to be like, oh well, okay, let's get the kettle of attorneys in here. And start building a case that we followed all of the regulations and all of the laws, blah, blah, blah. And if you're going to be part of that process, it's not going to be some dude in board shorts and flip-flops with a drone that he picked up at Best Buy. It's going to be a guy that understands the process or has built the process or is certified to do a process that they're going to want data from. And the sooner that people figure that out, the sooner you're going to make money in uh, drones. And it's hard. You know it's hard. I mean, the work that you do, um, you know, I've talked to you before when you've been out on the, the thing and the heat or in the rain or, or whatever else. I mean, you know, do you, do you find that misconception that people think that this stuff is, is easy, just fly in the plane? Pretty much. Uh, and that's, you know, we've even done some podcasts where we were out in the thick of it and describing right. what was going on as it was going on. And it's not easy. You've got to keep up with a lot of things. This is a, If you're going to do this professionally, you've got to approach it as a professional and train that way as well. 
Exactly. And and part of being a professional in anything is being, you know, mentally prepared for it, physically prepared for it, skillfully prepared for it. You know, it's just like anything else. You know, you you have to be it's like a kind of a holistic approach to it. And if you're not, then you're not really playing the pro game. It'd be like me trying to go and play basketball or whatever. I can't even dribble the damn ball, you know. How come I'm not getting fourteen million a year? You know, what's going on here? You know, so, uh, you know what I mean? God, I'm winded. I ran down the court once, and I think I'm going to have a heart attack, you know. Where's my $14 million? Anyway, so I don't know if you have anything on closing. I think I've pretty much said everything I can say without, you know, pissing more people off. But uh, yeah, Well, you do have my mailing address, right? I do, you know, and, and I do have to say that the, the women at uh, Boomerang Carnet, and we have kind of a special relationship with them because they are the only ones that send me a Christmas card every year. Well, they send me a that's, Christmas that's card. why I want you to send me – you send me a Christmas card, and I'll send you one because I'm sure we probably just fell off the other two lists that we were on. Exactly. Well, that's okay because, you know, I see this too. I see this podcast as a public service type of thing. And I think that even the stuff that you imparted about what you're doing – and the articles and everything else, Gene, I think is a real, uh, you know, public service thing. And I hope that people listen um, to to this and, and other things that we do and say and write or whatever else. And, and at the end of the day, I really hope that this is an industry that is open and available to as many people as possible. I've always, and you know this about me, it's always been about, you know, small business or business, yep. jobs, innovation and education and if that makes me a bad guy then i'm i'm a you know dirty routing scoundrel or whatever that's all i can say <laughs> yeah both of us all i want to do is go out and save a life or two and you know ease some suffering so i guess that makes me a pretty lousy guy too <laughs> you swine it's guys <laughs> like you giving it a bad name Anyway, all right. Well, I think that's about all the damage we could do for today. But, uh, you know, uh, a good conversation. And, um, you know, we'll be doing more of these in the future. I know you're also um, a regular on Gary's Hangout, the SUS News Hangout, yes. which is always entertaining yes. and fun. So if you haven't seen that, you might want to go to the YouTube channel and subscribe because that happens every Tuesday. Um, and then we're going to try and, you know, pick up more of these uh, podcasts, but uh, thank you, Gene, for being on and imparting your wisdom on the community and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Take care.